welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. You're doing well. One more time to show appreciation for these wonderful men and women that make up our music team. They're great. Love them to bits. They're awesome. We're going to have fun this morning. We are. We're going to have a good time of it, I believe. The thing I want to share this morning has really been a stirring out of what took place in South Africa. If we can just do something about the sound, I'm echoing all over the place. That'd be great. I loved being in South Africa. Had a great time, as I've already mentioned. And I spoke a lot while I was away. And I imparted a lot. And apparently I was really, really good. <laughs> just reporting back what they said. I've actually, I've just, I've just, I just did a humbled version. Next, what they said, I was amazing. I was awesome. Yeah. Kath was brilliant. They actually wanted to just come and move over to South Africa and be with them forever. That kind of thing. It was great. We had a great time. I really, and I really felt that. I felt like we had something to share. I felt like that we helped them. I felt like that we weren't wasting our time. I felt like a master on the subjects that I was talking about. And I think that's fair to say. That's not being big-headed. That's just, just a right assessment of what we did. That being true, it was amazing how conversations changed. Because in the midst of me answering their questions, that prompted questions in me. And then I would say, hang on a minute, why do you do this and how do you do that? And then on the flip of a dime, they were then imparting into my life and the master became the student. And then I'd get some of my questions answered and then they would ask a question and then the student became the master. And then the master became the student and the student became the master. And the whole two weeks of us was like that. So we didn't go over there like the, the big head honchos from Australia with all the answers. In actual fact, Kath and I feel like we learnt more than we actually imparted. Grant, who leads NCF Church, and Nick, who leads Redpoint Church, are both incredible leaders who have incredible skill sets. And, and we learnt from them, and I believe this church is going to become bigger, better, and richer as a result of the information that they gave us. And so that being the case, it got me thinking about partnering together with others. And I want to speak to you this morning on the power of partnership. I've shared some of these thoughts with our staff. I've shared some of these thoughts with the men a few weeks ago. But I want to share it with the whole church. I want to share it to the women. Are there any ladies in the house? And I want to share it with the men. Are there any men in the house? I love that. That's sweet. That is so good. Any ladies? Men? Things are in right order. It's the way it should be. It's good. It's awesome. It's great. And are there any young people in the house? Are there any older people in the house? Older, wiser, more sophisticated and mature. Do we have any of them in the house? Okay, one more time, youth, your chance. Any young people in the house? Some of them need their voices to break. And so I feel what I want to share today is, is applicable for everyone here. The power of partnership. And I want to read a particular portion of scripture found in Luke. Everyone say Luke. Yes. 
Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. In Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, and you can read it on, in your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, your iPod. You can read it in whatever you don't. Don't worry about them. Just look at me. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> All of a sudden, I just felt everyone went. Phew. So um, that's just a prop. Okay. It's all right. It's cool. No problems. Um, Luke chapter 5, read it on your Bibles, iPads, iPods, iPhones, whatever, or follow it on the screen. There's no excuse not to get the Word of God into you this morning. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's how I say it. I don't know how the experts say it, but that's how I say it, okay? Um, With the people crowding around him, he listened to the Word of the Lord. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And so when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners to the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boat so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And so they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. Many of you would have been familiar with that story, at least if you've been a Christian for a while, at least if you're a Christian that reads your Bible. Any of those in the room today? Some are here for the first time and some people have never been to church and you may not be familiar with this story. So I'm going to take you through it this morning and hopefully we can learn an invaluable lesson. Here's the deal. Jesus, this happened about 2,000 years ago when Jesus was on planet earth. Jesus is hanging around a bunch of guys called his disciples and he asks a fisherman by the name of Peter if he can borrow his boat. Probably looks something like this little rubber dinghy here. (coughs) Kindly donated by Graham Madron. And he says, I want to use your boat to teach from. You see, the crowds were coming And Jesus was just too close to the crowds. And so he said, can I borrow your boat and go a little bit out from shore to use it as a stage and a platform to preach from? And so Jesus gets in Peter's little boat. They get it out a little ways and he preaches just like I am now. To the multitudes, just like I am now. And he preached a great message. Jesus only ever preached great messages. And then when he'd finished preaching, 
He looks at the boat, looks at the net, realizes they didn't have much luck the night before, and says to Peter, let's go fishing. Now, Peter is the fisherman. Jesus is the preacher. And I imagine Peter's in the boat going, uh, Jesus, you preached a great message today. And, and, and I know what it's like to preach a great message. Sometimes when you preach a great message, you feel on such a high, you feel like you can do anything. I mean, some of you musicians would know, there's times I just want to grab the guitar after preaching a blind river message. I just feel like I can do anything. I'm invincible. Give me the guitar. I'll play guitar. And I wonder if Peter's singing, Jesus, that was a great message. Uh, but what do you know about fishing? You know, I appreciate the fact that you've preached a great message and maybe you feel like on cloud nine and maybe you feel like you can do anything, but you're not a fisherman, you're a preacher. And Jesus, not to be one who's dissuaded easily, just says, let's go fishing. And Peter's got this dilemma because he's the fisherman. He knows more about fishing than Jesus. I'm the fisherman, you're the preacher. What would you know about fishing? And so he's got this dilemma. Does he do what he's being asked to do or does he go with what he knows best? But I know best. What can we learn from this story about the power of partnership? The first thing is this, that Peter obeys Jesus. Peter the fisherman obeys Jesus the preacher about doing something that has to do with fishing. He listened to the words of Jesus even though it didn't make sense. He said, it doesn't make sense. I'm the fisherman, you're the preacher. It doesn't make sense to me, but because you say so. Because you say so, I'm gonna throw out my nets. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. We've been fishing all night. This is not the right time to do the fishing. It's stupid. It's going to be a waste of my time. I've just cleaned the nets. Now I'm not going to catch anything else. But you know what? Just because you say so, I'll put my nets out. I have to wash them again. What would Jesus know? Yeah, it was a good preach, but my goodness me. I wash my nets. No fisherman fishes in the daytime. Fish aren't there in the daytime. But because you say so. Because you say so, I'm going to do what you say. In other words, it's not always about getting someone, it's about trusting someone. Is that not the lesson that we as parents try to instill into our kids? Kids look at parents and well, you know, it's not about what I know, it's do you trust me? I may not have all the revelation about all the technology that goes on in schools today, but kids, do you trust me enough? I don't have to be an expert on everything in order to bring some wisdom into a situation. The issue is here is who do you trust? And the reason we need people in our lives that we trust is because we all have blind spots. This is gonna be really deep for you. As I unpackage what a blind spot is, this is really deep. A blind spot 
is a spot that you are blinded to. I spent hours studying that, hours. Went to the Greek, the Hebrew, the Latin, and I just came up with that. And we all have them. And for you to think, I don't have a blind spot, you're more blinded than anybody. We all have blind spots. We all have areas in our lives that we just can't see. We can't see the back of our head. There I can. With the help of somebody else. We can't see certain things in our lives. It's not always about getting the people in our world. It's about trusting the people in our world. I remember as a young man growing up, our uh, pastor who I love dearly, encouraged me not to hang around a couple of guys who were very close friends of mine. I didn't get it. I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. But I never forget having a because you say so moment. And so I withdrew from a couple of people in my world, not that they were bad people, they were in our church. It's just that they weren't good for me. Somebody doesn't have to be a bad person in order for them not to be good for you. They can be a good person, but not good for you. And he gave me some advice, which I didn't get, I didn't like, and I didn't understand. And yet, somehow, I managed to say, you know what, because you say so, and I began to withdraw from these friends. They didn't get it. They didn't like it. It caused some tension between us. But because you say so, I believe, can open doors to you. We see that because of this moment in Peter's life, because you say so, incredible things happen for him. The first thing is Peter obeys Jesus. And the second thing is Peter gets what he wants. No sooner had he thrown the nets into the water, but now he's like, man, there's fish in the net. I don't know about you, but any fisherman wants fish. Are there any fishermen out there? We can pray for you. You need deliverance. You really do. Fishing is not a sport. It's weird. It's just like, it's one of the most boring things ever. But, but I'm sure that for all of you people that do like fishing, the purpose of fishing is catching fish. And so Peter throws out the nets and is able to get an incredible catch of fish. In other words, now he gets what he wants as a fisherman. That's what fishermen want. They want fish. And here's Peter. I've got all these fish. This is awesome. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. And I would do a little dance, but I don't have much room. And so Peter's like, this is fantastic. How do we make this story live for us? For us who don't like fishing. For us who didn't live 2,000 years ago. I'll tell you what, when you... Have a because you say so moment. I believe it will open doors for you and you'll start being blessed and you'll start getting some amazing things in your world. It could be that, you know, you've come to church faithfully for years and all of a sudden, wow, out of nowhere, this beautiful girl comes along and you've finally got yourself a girlfriend. The very thing you've always wanted. 
Well, maybe it's a guy, a girl who's, who's, who's finally found Mr. Right. And God, when he's always, well, this is fantastic. This is a day the Lord has made. This is great. Maybe for you, it's you got a promotion. You've been faithful in your job for years and years and years and years. And finally, you get your promotion. This is fantastic. You get what you finally want. Maybe you've been dating for a long period of time and you've kept yourself pure and now it's the wedding day and you know tonight is the night of all nights and this is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. No matter how short that time period may be, we're going to enjoy it. Oh, this is awesome, this is fantastic. I think there's every one of us at different times where we've got what we've wanted. Praise God. God is a generous God. God is a loving God. God is a God who gives us far beyond what we dream, ask for, hope, or even imagine. He will give you in good measure, pressed down, shaking together. I believe that. I do. So Peter obeys, and out of obedience, he gets. What an incredible, incredible story. If only it stopped there. The third thing we see in this story is that Peter struggles with the catch. Peter struggles with the catch. He's in his boat. He's got all these fish. And now he's struggling. Is this catch from the devil? No. Is this catch from all his hard work and training? No, he didn't even want to do it. This is just a miracle catch, a blessing from God. If God's creating a breaking point moment in Peter's life, I think, I think, I think just maybe God is trying to teach Peter a lesson. And I think when God creates a breakthrough moment in our life, he might, might, might just be trying to teach us a lesson. I mean, who can argue that getting married is is of the devil? Of course it's not. Who can argue that a young man getting together with a young boy and dating, that's a great thing. It's also a young man getting together with a young girl. It's a great thing. God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. That's right. I'm a little bit tired from South Africa. Don't. So, well, this is a very liberal church. I think we'll come back here. Some of you just woke up. Whoa, what? I think God the Father is looking down from heaven at Peter struggling. And he's going, oh, what's Peter going to do? God gets all the angels of heaven to come out of it. He's like, guys, have a look at this, look at this, look at this. And they peer over the, the balcony or the balustrade of heaven which doesn't exist, but we just say it. Oh. You won't read about it in the Bible, but just we like these things. Oh. Guys, look at this. Look, what's Peter going to do? What's he going to do? What's he going to do? What's Peter going to do? Is he going to struggle by himself? 
Prove how strong he is. Or is he going to get the help that he needs? What's he going to do? I think this whole moment's a setup to find out what is Peter going to do? Is he going to ask for help? Or is he going to tough it out by himself? Is he going to work smarter? Or is he going to become a martyr? Is he going to adopt the victim mentality? Poor old me. I didn't even want this fish. I didn't even want to go fishing today. I said I didn't want to go fishing. Is he going to just work harder, burn the candle at both ends? And as a result of working harder, end up on prescription medication, antidepressant tablets, addicted to pornography, have the extramarital affair, divorce or separate from your wife or husband that you've been married to for years. What's he going to do? What are you going to do? The same thing that is asked of Peter is being asked of us today. What are we going to do? Are we going to struggle? It's hard to convince anyone that you're living the most incredible life ever. Come to Jesus, all your problems will go away. (laughs) Come on, why don't you come to church with me? Why? And be as miserable as you? Be as stressed out as you? Why would I want to go to your church? Why would I want to give my life to your God? When you live like that. Let's take it away from the fishing for a moment. Why would anyone want to come to church when you're on the internet forever looking over your shoulder that no one's watching what you're watching on the internet because you don't want to get caught out? Or having that affair on the side? Or taking all these pills, prescription medication, just to keep your nerves at bay? Why would anyone want to give their life to that? See, I do believe Christianity is the answer. But it's also adopting the Christian principles to our life as well. And so if you just give your life to Jesus, that's fantastic. But if you ignore everything Jesus says, that's not going to help you. And for some of you who may be visiting and thinking, you know what, you Christians, you're a bunch of wimps and you just need a crutch. Give your life to Jesus. Well, you're right. Well done. You're very perceptive and you are very wise. You are very correct and you are very accurate in that summation. But maybe what you've left out is just how weak you are. 
Because we're all as weak as each other. And if you don't give your life to Jesus, you'll give your life to something or someone else. You'll give it to drugs. You'll give it to, to smoking. You'll give it to alcohol. You'll give it to prescription medication. You'll give it to pornography. You'll give it to another woman. You'll give it to an affair. You'll give it to something. Every one of us today is going to give our life to something. You'll give it to more work. Oh, how many women are just complaining that their husbands are married to their work. You Christians are so weak, you give your life to Jesus and you just give your life to work. See, here's the deal. We were meant to do life alone. And so God set this whole situation up, as he does with us all the time. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Which brings me to my fourth point. And it's this. Peter signals for help. He realizes, I, I, I can't, can't do this. It's a little thing called humility. And he looks over to his mates. Say, guys, can you, um, no, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Guys, yeah. Doesn't matter. Guys. Yeah, Peter. Can you help me? Can you help me? I need help. I need help help. You see, the big miracle of this story is not the catch. We think, wow, what a God. Fish, man, amazing catch. Isn't God good? That's not the miracle. That's the easiest part of this whole story. I mean, what you've got to understand is that when there was nothing God spoken, there was. I mean, God says, let there be light and boop, light. I mean, God's not working, you know, he's speaks and bang. And then he says, let there be animals. And there was. And they're just like big ones and fat ones and tall ones and giraffes. Just big long neck. I mean, for me, giraffes are my favorite animal. They're such a freaky. And being in uh, Africa more recently, seeing them just like, this is how they drink. They just. And this is the coolest animal. And God just creates it all. Just not hard. God doesn't get to the end of six days and go, oh, gee, I'm, I'm knackered. He just speaks and it was, speaks and it was, speaks and it was, speaks and it was. And so it wasn't a, wasn't a big deal for God to say, fish, get in the net. Because that's what it's like. There's these fish. I'm telling you, there's fish in the water that day. Like They're looking at each other going, oh, I wonder what we're going to do today. Just eating a little bit of plankton. 
And God says, get in the net. I mean, it's it's not hard. They're swimming along. You thought I slipped. I meant to do that. I bet bet the camera guys didn't keep up with that many, did they? No. I think I'll stay down here a bit safer. That could just be a YouTube, a, a YouTube, a YouTube hit. And so they get in the net. Look at me, look at me. The miracle is a fisherman asking for help. That's the miracle. Because any fisherman knows that the moment you ask for help, you have to share the spoils. And you have to share the story. And every fisherman loves to exaggerate. I caught a big, big, big! Peter can't go back. Wait, he's just in all this fish. I caught this. Oh, the fish we caught. It just ruins the story. The miracle is not the fish getting in the net. The miracle, other than me not breaking my neck today. Is Peter, a hardened fisherman, humbling himself? Yeah. See, we often remember Peter, the guy that denied Jesus three times. <laughs> religious people give me the heebie-jeebies. They really do. Because religious people always just notice the bad. Yeah. Peter, three times denied Jesus. And on the third time, he even started swearing. And he was the guy just before Jesus was arrested, he decided to cut someone's head off and missed and got his ear. But here's Peter, the one who's humble enough to ask for help. And I think that's why God could use Peter, that he was able to humble himself. The great thing about this story is because it was a setup by God, all that Peter needed was right at hand. The help that he needed was right there. In other words, God did not leave him alone. And can I just say for every one of you, no matter what you're going through right now, if you're struggling financially, if you're struggling relationally, if you're struggling mentally or emotionally or physically, your answer is as close to you as the, the furthest answer away from you is about 20 meters. Because your answer is in this room. We've got financial experts who can help you. We've got guys that can help you with your physical well being. We've got guys that can help you in your marriage and your relational problems. We've got guys that can help you with your mental and emotional state. And that's the way God intended that we do life together. I have never made one major decision in my life by myself. I've never bought a house, a car. We never planted this church. I've never made one major decision in my life by myself. This move to this building was not made on a whim just by myself. I've never made one major decision in my life by myself And people can look back and say, gee, you're wise. If I am wise, it's because I hang around wise people, people that are wiser than me. 
I'm not a financial expert, but I've, I've got my finances in order. Because I've asked the right people. Why is it that I can serve God passionately all these years later? Because I've hung around the right people. That's the miracle. Will we humble ourselves and ask for help? You see, here's the point of the whole story. It's all about the catch. It's not about you proving a point how strong you are. The point is, can we keep the fish? Can we keep what we have received? Can we keep what we've been blessed with? Oh, I've been blessed with an incredible woman. I married her. And many of you who walked down the aisle to marry the person that you've married would say the same. I've been blessed. Only to find that blessing becomes a curse. Because you don't know what to do with the catch. Hooked myself an absolute babe. Well done. Do you know how to keep her? Do you know how to keep her? See, we've got marriages just being lost left, right and centre because we've proven I'm right and we lose the marriage. We win the argument and lose the marriage. It's about the marriage. It's about the kids. It's about what we've been blessed with. Do you know why so many people that win the lottery end up losing it within the first 12 months? That's statistically been proven. Because they don't know how to keep it. People lose their marriage. Why? 50, over 50% now, marriages end in divorce. And that would be, number would be higher if people actually got married more these days. They just don't know how to keep the woman, keep the guy. Anybody can catch something. It could be through skill that you catch something. It could just be out of chance. I mean, how many times have you caught a fish and just caught its tail? It just happened to be swimming by. It just jagged itself on your hook and you're like, I caught a fish. Can you keep it? It's all about the fish. It's about the catch. It's about what we've been given. Whether it's your marriage, whether it's this church, whatever the case may be. In order for us to keep what we've been given, we need help. What I love about this story is that Jesus modeled partnership. Jesus performed many miracles. He raised people from the dead. He opened their blind eyes. And we say, isn't that awesome? If we had more of that, we'd see more people saved and we'd see more people added to church. But you know what? For every one of Jesus' miracles, there were people involved. Jesus borrowed people's boats. In order for Jesus to be more effective, he said, can I borrow, I need your boat, Peter. Can I, can, 
He partnered with Peter and borrowed his boat. He borrowed homes. He borrowed an upper room. He borrowed a donkey. Remember that? He even borrowed somebody's tomb. Not that he used it for very long at all. But he borrowed it nonetheless. If Jesus could humble himself and ask for help, how much more should you and I? In other words, on, when it came to Jesus' life, he lived a life dependent on others for certain things. And he had the sufficient relationships to ask for the help that he needed. Do you have the sufficient relationships? I'm not just talking, this is where just our, our circle of friends may not be enough. Because your friends may not be the experts financially that you need in order to get yourself out of that problem. I'm amazed, and as I know Pete and Sally are, as we've counseled people in their relational difficulties, that we can pour ourselves out, give the best advice we can, not based on theory, but based upon practice. And people say, yeah, that's good advice. They go to their mates who tell them the exact opposite and their mates have been divorced and, and they listen to them. It's an incredibly sad thing. And so I want to encourage you this morning to humble yourself because that's where this all starts. Christianity starts with you Humbling yourself. For the unbeliever, the non-believer, the non-Christian in this place, you need to humble yourself and ask for help. You say, I don't need help. It never ceases to amaze me that people who say they don't need help will take out car insurance, house insurance, life insurance, and almost be seen that it would be ridiculous if you didn't. And yet when it comes to eternity, they think nothing of it. Think nothing of eternity. We need to partner with Christ in order to have our eternal salvation secure. For the Christian, you need to partner not just with God but with people in order to help you because no man's an island. If you're not in a connect group, we don't want you to join a connect group because you've got to go to a connect group just to fill up your busy lives. We just recognize you can't do life without it. You can't do life disconnected. Simple as that. That's why we call them connect groups. If you're not in a connect group, no condemnation, but just get connected. Get in a connect group. And you might not find the exact one for you, but you know what? The worst one for you is better than not having one at all. Being connected to an average connect group is far better than not being connected at all. Amen. I want to show you an audio-visual testimony of one of the ladies in our church who went through a difficult situation and how her life has turned around and is turning around little by little, slowly but surely. And I believe it's because of a couple of things. One is the goodness of God. And secondly, it's the power of partnership. 
we can turn our attention to the screen and watch Tish's story. We had a great life. We had two healthy girls. We had a baby on the way. We were buying our dream house and we were planning our future together. But God was never consulted in our planning. When I was 34, Craig died suddenly. I had two, two girls, I had a baby on the way. It's not how I planned it. In all this, I knew God was looking after us. We were blessed time and time again. His hand was really on our life. After a while, I thought I deserved the blessings that God was giving me for what he'd dealt me, the big misdemeanor. Then Millie was born and I believed we'd really survived, we'd come out okay. I didn't really realize it, but as time went on, I was really angry at God. I trusted God, but really I was still angry at him. It was really eating away at me. The girls would be constantly fighting. Millie would be asking about her dad, the bills would be coming in and I was really losing control. Every part of my life was starting to eat at me and I held God responsible for taking Craig away. I was becoming full of resentment. I loved my girls, but the house was becoming an unhappy home. It was then I broke. I was angry, I yelled at God, I cried. I, um, I really needed his help. From that point, that, that moment, I found a strength that I never had before. I found peace and I found a real um, love for where I was at that time. Even though my circumstances hadn't changed, I had. I didn't recognise that my attitude had really changed and I really needed to repent. I talk regularly with God now and I've learnt just to hand over my problems to Him. I have a newfound strength and patience now in my life and it's because of God. We're on our way to a happy home I love my girls, they still test the boundaries, and I mean test the boundaries, but we've got God on our side. You know what I love about that story, and all the stories that we see week after week, is a spirit of humility that comes through. Tisha's story, like Georgie's story, like Tony's story, like many that we've seen, comes down to humbling ourselves, surrendering to God, and surrendering to the God people in our world. And I believe if we could continue to do that on a daily basis, we wouldn't have to grow tired we wouldn't have to grow weary. We wouldn't have to burn out. We wouldn't have to get up, give up. We wouldn't have to get to a certain age and just settle. But that we could refire and recognize that we've been born for such a time as this. I seem to be harping on this a lot of late, but for our 45 to 60s, if you're in that age bracket, don't have an affair. Don't give up. Don't separate from your wife or your husband. You say, oh, that would never happen. That's happening all the time in that age bracket. Because people feel like they've had their use by date. 
And so we give ourselves to another woman or another man. We give it to another job or another hobby. We give it to the red sports car. Or you can give your life to Jesus again and 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 again. And recognise that life's not all about you. And what you're calling a used by date is an absolute lie. What you call a used by date is experience and it's wisdom. And God wants you to partner with some of these young people and have them in your homes and open up your homes and start connect groups and get involved again. Stop sitting in the seat of judgment and blaming young people or talking about what is not happening here or not happening there. Get involved. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't leave it to just the young ones. But be an example, be a role model and give your lives to Jesus. If you've never ever given your life to Christ, that's where it starts for you. The Bible says that you need not fear the future when you've given your life to God. Because to be absent from the body through death as we know it is to be present with the Lord. And this was my thing coming into Sunday. If Jesus comes back for us, all good and well. And if he doesn't, I get to spend it in church, all good and well. It's like a win-win scenario. There was not one ounce of fear attached to what could have taken place yesterday. For the believer, I believe that's the reality and that's right. And although Jesus didn't come back yesterday, he's coming back. We just don't know when, that's the thing. Not even Jesus himself knew the date of his return. It's reserved only for the Father in heaven, but he is coming back. And you can have an absolute assurance in your heart as you partner with Christ, because that's the only way to God the Father in heaven. I wonder if you'd please stand with me. We're going to have a time of communion right now. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.